0: One semester of law school. Dropped an undergraduate pre-law class.
1: Two, Two experts.
2: experts. I'm Kristen Caruso.
1: I'm Daryl Pitts.
2: Let's, Let's go, go to court. court. <laughs> On this episode, I'll talk about a bad pot of coffee.
1: And I'll be talking about one spoiled Hilton hotel heir, and I'm not talking about Paris or Nikki.
2: Ooh. Dad, well said. You uh, barely stumbled over that last line, and we did perfect unison on Let's Go to Court. Did you forget the name of the podcast? I forgot
1: the name of the podcast. What is this again? I'm on so many podcasts. This is called
2: the Joe Rogan Experience.
1: Joe Rogan Experience. (laughs) I've not been on that one before. I'm looking forward to working with you, Joe. (laughs)
2: Thanks dad welcome back
1: good to be back it's been a few months and i have missed being on the podcast although i guess you just replayed this week uh the last podcast i was on
2: yes it's true
1: is it because it was blowing up on the first time around you decided to shoot it out there again
2: yeah it's not because brandy's on maternity leave and we needed something to fill the space it's because people were like That was the best episode of any podcast ever, and we must hear it again.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of Brandy, I'm glad you brought Brandy up. (laughs) Yeah. Because as 50% owner of this podcast, I have an announcement to make. Okay. I'm taking over the co-hosting duties of this podcast. (laughs) Brandy is out.
2: Oh, wow. Well, it's going to be devastating for her to find out like this. I'll tell you that.
1: Well, you got to find out some way. And But mm-hmm. I do have one request. Um, when your editor edits the podcast, yeah. I need for her or him. I'm not sure. Her. Her. Patty. I need for her to insert a Brandy laugh track whenever I say anything that's even remotely funny. Can we get that done?
2: You know what? Honest to God. It is just because, you know, I recorded with Kyla. Your daughter, my sister, in yes. case you forgot. And, um, it's weird to record with someone who doesn't have the brandy laugh. Because the brandy laugh makes you think you're the funniest person in the world and then you know, you're talking to Kyler or I'm talking to you, and it's just oh. it's a
1: dead, dead pause. Yeah. Waiting mm-hmm. for the brandy to laugh. Yeah,
2: when I'm being hilarious. Well,
1: and the other thing is Brandy will laugh for like thirty seconds sometimes. And yeah. so
2: I can take a bathroom break, I can do all
1: kinds <laughs> you can of stuff. Run to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. Yeah, Brandy we, we miss Brandy. So all we serious do. all seriousness. Uh, brandy, we hope you come back soon. But we want you to enjoy your time with baby london so do that and we'll uh, we'll cover for you while you're gone
2: and okay i'm gonna make an announcement and if we have to cut this we'll cut it but the plan is that the week after this episode airs with you brandy will be back she won't have a case but you know she she has quite the labor story
1: oh good labor story yeah she does that's right i won't i won't uh, spoil that at all but good labor story
2: good meaning like every woman's nightmare but anyway yes
1: uh one other thing before we start and, okay. and i don't know whether you've got other things i need to shout out to ashley l on facebook okay last week <laughs> you posted a picture on facebook it was of my like lower torso legs my cool shoes my... Yeah, it was
2: showing off your tube socks and your bright white costco sneakers yeah well
1: do you know what ashley thought that was on facebook what she thought those were bradley cooper's legs <laughs> and i got it you know an honest well, mistake actually yeah it Thanks. happens
2: all the time it
1: does happen all the time i get mistaken for bradley cooper uh-huh. uh even just the lower torso with the tube socks and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's uh it was an honest mistake thank you ashley though for that uh, compliment
2: It's weird that you would have to compliment her when this happens to you all the time. But I guess you're just gracious. I
1: reach out and compliment. I mean, when I get complimented, I reach out and thank people all the time. That's that's my deal. We
2: can all learn something from you, Dad. You know... This is me. I'm going into business mode, Dad.
1: Okay, business mode.
2: Okay, you got your...
1: Business cat, your business cat. We're
2: both wearing sweatshirts right now, but let's pretend we're in suits and let's, ties. Wait
1: a minute. Let's stop and talk a little bit about that. It is the middle of the summer in Kansas City. Yes. It's 90 degrees outside. True. And your house is so cold, I'm wearing a Bill Belichick hoodie sweatshirt, and I'm still cold.
2: Okay, Norman. Norman and I have an agreement. He controls the thermostat during the summer because he gets very overheated. I control it during the winter because I am always cold. So to me, like, I'm always dressed in my snowsuit in my house at all times.
1: Well, it's because it's 62 degrees in here, and we're upstairs even. if You know, downstairs, uh, you'd think it'd be colder down there, but we're upstairs, and it's 62. So I don't even know what it's like uh, down there.
2: Welcome home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Business time, Dad. Okay,
1: business time. Business let's
2: time. let's make some money for this fledgling podcast.
1: I'm I'm with you all the way because as fifty percent owner, oh. I want I want some dollars.
2: Okay, Dad. How do they do it? How do they support us?
1: They need to be a patron Uh on Patreon. Very good. And I don't know a lot of details, but there's different levels. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, good. You you really want to shoot for that Supreme Court level because that's the top level. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know what that costs. Dad,
2: (laughs) Dad. what do they get? Do you know what they get? They
1: get a sticker. Uh Uh-huh. They get uh, their name announced on the podcast, which may be way better than a sticker.
2: Monetary value on that, what, a million dollars? it's it, well yes. spread
1: over all patrons yeah but okay. not each, each patron doesn't get a million dollars worth of value out of that but but yeah it's worth a million dollars wow. total couldn't
2: even go with that the thing is yes and with improv oh. dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what, what else do they get um Um, I'm going to help, yeah. They get a monthly bonus video. They also get bonus episodes. They also get into the Discord, where it's like a 90s chat room. They chat away. That's at the $7 level. But if $7 is too spendy for you go down to the five dollars that's the appellate court level and at that level you get into the discord and you get bonus episodes and i'm pretty sure that's it
1: that's not bad that's that's pretty good for those dollar amounts i would uh hey I would dad
2: think... you know we're trying to promote it so don't say it's pretty good say oh my gosh oh, the value wow what, a, what an extraordinary what value, value.
1: what i wonder about is merch i want some merch when when do i get merch soon you, you're you're working on yeah merch. yeah we really are working oh on merch. my gosh i want t-shirts i'm gonna need another heavy sweatshirt like this if i ever come over to your house in the summer
2: oh well whatever you want yeah we'll also be making bright white sneakers that say lgtc on them oh
1: you're gonna get those what are you gonna go buy them from costco and, and, <laughs> and stencil <laughs> the, that on that's the cheapest way to do it yeah <laughs>
2: no let's get down to business i understand you want to go first
1: i want to go first yes Uh, i i'm I'm ready to lead the way okay are you ready for my case yeah got a little bit of an old-timey disclaimer on some of the background because this family goes back 100 years the original bad boy in the hotel business was conrad hilton and He's not really a total bad boy, but he had some really spicy stuff come up uh, mm-hmm. back in 1919 through the 1940s, and so he had some tabloid drama of his own at that time. What but,
2: qualified as spicy in 1919?
1: Well, you're going to hear some of it. Okay, okay. Hear, and it wasn't. It didn't start in 1919. The spicy stuff happened a little bit later. Okay. But in 1919, Conrad Hilton rolled into Texas at the height of an oil boom with $5,000 in his pocket. Ooh. Now, he wanted to buy a bank, and I don't know much about the finances of the 1919s, but that doesn't sound like enough to buy a bank even back then.
2: Did you even adjust this for inflation?
1: I've got an inflation oh. adjustment for you. Okay,
2: I man, I thought I was calling you out.
1: No, no, no. I've listened to this podcast before. Oh, I know if any dollar amount is mentioned, you better adjust it for inflation. 78,000.
2: Oh, yeah, that's not enough to
1: that's that you couldn't even put a down payment on a house in today's market for
2: 78,000. So, well, sure you could. What kind of houses are you buying? Boy, boy. guys, we've got a rich old white guy on the line, doesn't think 78 grand will get you a down payment anywhere. No,
1: I I sell some real estate, 78,000 will get you a down payment on a lot of houses. Uh
2: Okay, I I stand
1: corrected. He could not get the bank deal done, got impatient with it, and so instead he bought a hotel in Cisco, Texas. Now, Cisco, Texas, not a big place, but this is the start of the empire that is known as Hilton Hotels. Okay. These guys made phenomenal money over the last hundred years. They have teamed up with casinos. They were the first hotels to team up with the casinos, made a boatload of money on that. They've got you know almost a million rooms i mean you can imagine the money this brings in and they're really good business people too it's not like they got lucky a few times or anything but over the long haul they've made some really really great decisions now you were asking about the salacious part yeah the tabloid part
2: ready for a scandal
1: in the 1940s he'd been married to his wife for a long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: 20 plus years he divorces her, of course, because now he's a rich guy. Okay. Divorces her and marries Zsa, Zsa Gabor. Oh. Now you know Zsa, Zsa Gabor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many times do you think Zsa, Zsa Gabor was married?
2: A ton. Seven.
1: Nine. Whoa. He was number two in the Zsa, Zsa Gabor marriage.
2: Mm-hmm. Now. Hang on. Let me look her up. Let me see what old Zsa, Zsa looked like.
1: She was one of four Hungarian. I think they were from Hungary hungarian uh, sisters who came to this country Ooh, beautiful Be, uh, beautiful ladies uh m- kind of marginal actresses i think but beautiful Ooh, ladies
2: critic here everybody's a critic
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's beautiful yeah okay they didn't win academy awards i don't think
2: oh so
1: he's she's got this she's a serial marrier, but she, this is only number two uh-huh. she's in her 20s mm-hmm. take a ballpark guest of how old conrad is
2: i'm gonna say 50s
1: He's in his 50s, correct. Oh, good. Does the age gap bother you? Of course it does. Of course it does. You don't like the age gaps. But what happens when you marry a man in his 50s and you're in your 20s and... Some of your stepsons are about your age. Oh, no. Do you know what happens, oh, Kristen? Oh,
2: <laughs> man. You go for your hot stepson. She
1: has an affair with Conrad Jr.
2: Oh, yikes. Oh. Even the same name. Even
1: the same name. Gross. Girl. She got confused. She got confused. <laughs> don't, don't blame her. Now, Conrad Jr., so... As a I'm going to guess late teen I didn't get an exact date on this, but a late teen, early 20s guy. Well, let's hurt, has an hope affair early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> the older the better, right? Yeah <laughs> They have the affair.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: at 23, he marries another famous actress this is actually a good actress He marries Elizabeth Taylor. Oh wow. Married Elizabeth Taylor at 23, and she was 18. Ooh, okay. Now, Elizabeth Taylor was kind of a serial marrier also. How many husbands? I'm going to go f- five. Oh, seven. You're too ah! low every time. Seven husbands. Uh, but this was her first. Now, interestingly enough, well, yeah,
2: eighteen. <laughs> this
1: lady was really into the engagement and marry thing. She had been engaged twice before 18. I only found that in one source, but I thought, surely that's accurate. You can't make up something like an 18-year-old's been engaged twice before.
2: dad if you were that hot you would have had the same experience
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah a hot young actress and she's like a big time actress already so she's not you know she's not just some girl in high school she's been a big time actress can you imagine the reality show this whole thing would have made
2: amazing now
1: conrad jr and uh, elizabeth taylor got divorced in 205 days so um, that didn't last well evidently the Hiltons have a little bit of a problem with relationships and maybe some drugs and some alcohol and some other things that create difficulties in life in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have to tell you one quick quote that Zsa Zsa Gabor has. Okay. This is classic. I'm a marvelous housekeeper. Every time I leave a man, I keep his house.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I will also say though, um, I think when both parties are wealthy and they go into a marriage, it's easier to divorce.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Divorce is a privilege.
1: Yeah, divorce is a privilege. I think Zsa, Zsa in most cases, though, really married up. Even though she had some money, she married up money wise. And in fact, that may have been the kind of the whole inducement to the marriage was marry up. And you know, I'm a beautiful woman. I can marry these older rich guys and pocket some cash and keep their house. So Dad, I think that was no, her you're not no <laughs> i'm imagining i was joshua
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so that's kind of the history so you get a feel that the base of this family really really good business people okay maybe not so good with some addictions and some other problems they might have with the relationships okay okay so let's fast forward 70 years so we're jumping over a lot of history there's been a lot of good and bad stuff happened to the hiltons in that time but we're going to fast forward 70 years and we've got a 20 year old great grandson of the original conrad hilton and guess what his name is
2: conrad jr jr
1: (laughs) conrad the third now what i've discovered in that with the hiltons they get a few names that they like and they really play them up so, there are two Conrad Hilton the Thirds with different what? yeah, with different middle names, and so down two different paths with two different uh, fathers, they both came away with this Conrad Hilton the third the other Conrad Hilton the third, the one we're not going to talk about, he's a generation older than this Conrad Hilton, who's twenty. Are you with me
2: yeah that I'm just thinking that kind of sucks for him. He already had the name, and then
1: you know um I don't know why. Maybe it was easier for them just to call out Conrad, and it would be, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about, like, I had trouble with Kristen and Kyla mm-hmm. keeping you guys separated and, and understanding which name was which. Uh, I think if you name them all Conrad, it's just easier that
2: way. Okay, okay.
1: Okay, so here's the other really important factor about Conrad III. Little brother of? Paris? Paris and Nikki. <gasps> okay so this is paris and Nikki's little brother several years younger maybe 10 12 14 years younger than than them um this dude entitled beyond belief hmm. now also no resume whatsoever to speak of okay when i say no resume dude doesn't go to school dude doesn't work really? Dude doesn't do anything except kind of get himself in trouble
2: I'm shocked they didn't buy his way into some college.
1: Well, he would have had to study and work. A little. Well, no, no, I guess they could have bought the whole No.
2: Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. You ever heard of Lori Laughlin? Come on.
1: Lori Laughlin and uh, Paige Laurie from uh, from uh, USC. Have you ever heard of that story, too?
2: That's not USC.
1: Yeah. Paige Laurie went to USC. Oh. So the Laurie's are Walmart money. Right. Uh, actually, and Paige Laurie, uh, she used to have her name on the arena at University of Missouri.
2: That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, but
1: when it just discovered that she paid another undergraduate, I think it was twenty thousand dollars to. I'm I'm speaking extemporaneously here, so mm-hmm. I'm off memory. I think she paid another undergraduate twenty thousand dollars to do all of her undergraduate work at USC. Now. That was probably good money for another student at that time.
2: That was great money at that time. Great
1: money. Okay, great. But yeah, because we're talking 20 years ago plus that this happened.
2: Yeah, but you also have to think, how big is the pot of money that this person could pull from? I should, I should be getting more like 80.
1: Well, so she, she paid this and evidently she didn't kind of think, uh, think ahead as to what could happen. Because I think every few years, this what is now a young woman would yeah. call her and say, um, I need some more money or I need this. I need that. Oh. And, of course, you've got to do it because your whole reputation's on the line as Paige Laurie. And so she, you know, ended up it ended up getting blown up. I guess they decided to stop paying or something, but it blew up. And her name got taken off the arena at Missouri. This is why you really shouldn't name something after like a 22-year-old or whatever she was when they they named it after her. So,
2: Yeah, you should really only name it after a Confederate soldier, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, that's a much safer <laughs> move. And so we've kind of covered this. But if you think about it, what most 20-year-olds, I mean, think what you were doing at 20. You were working in college mm-hmm. and you maybe had a summer job and you were kind of busy trying to get ahead in life other folks might be working on a career and other folks might just be working minimum wage jobs but they're doing something right conrad hilton was doing absolutely nothing and when you have a 20 year old with what i'm going to guess is an unlimited spending account Mm -hmm. things can get kind of dirty here we go when he's 20 years old he boards a plane in london headed for la so this is going to be a long flight right okay For some reason, he's sitting in business class. Now, really? Oh, doesn't that seem strange? That's not a good that's not where the Hilton should be sitting. In fact, they should be on a private plane.
2: I was. No, that's really what I was going to say is I'm shocked he didn't have his own plane. Well, and I
1: think it's problematic when people are traveling below their means because (laughs) they're used to a certain (laughs) problematic. Well, that's that's a good word to use there. Okay. You'll see how problematic this gets. But okay. let, me, let me first kind of give you a, a personal story about traveling below your means. Okay. Okay. I think I might have mentioned before, I spent most of my career as a human resource manager at Hallmark Cards. And as a human resource manager, this is a mid-level management job. This is not traveling on corporate jets and stuff like that. The only time I got to do that is if I was traveling with a vice president. Mm -hmm. If the vice president gets the corporate jet, whoever's going to wherever he or she is going, you're on the corporate jet. One time, a vice president, and this is a good guy, good guy. I worked for him directly for a while. He and his subordinate, who was managing a group of plants and myself, who was the HR manager for those plants, we had to go to Center, Texas great little town has a hallmark fixture plant there great people loved going there except it was a little bit of a pain in the rear end to get there Mm -hmm. you know you you fly out of kansas city at eight in the morning you go to houston you have to lay over in houston for sometimes an hour and a half two hours maybe you get on a plane in houston you have to fly to shreveport louisiana and then you have to get a rental car and drive back into Texas about an hour and 15 oh, minutes. God. Oh, it was it was it was a rough go. But I did that about every month. And so I was kind of used to it. That was yeah. the, that was the process. And so, in fact, when I found out that uh, the vice president wanted to go to Center Texas with with Shannon and I, his uh, his underling. I said okay great but understand if we don't get the corporate jet it's going to be kind of a long day oh you know he acts like it's no big deal uh-huh. he, oh yeah I, you know and this guy didn't grow up in extreme wealth or anything he he made a, a great career at Hallmark and did really well but he was just a regular guy you know 20 25 years before this but now he's um, an, an entitled VP at Hallmark cards
2: ooh ooh
1: so here's what happened we arrive at the plant everything has gone totally smoothly mm-hmm. i mean on time out of kansas city on time landing on time out of houston on time in shreveport the rental car is there we get in we we drive we walk in the plant and you know the receptionist is excited to see us the corporate visitors from kansas city are here and the vice president's with them and oh this is a kind of a big deal And she says how was your flight uh-huh and i was getting ready to say great yeah But he jumps in and he says, this has been the trip from hell.
2: (laughs) Oh, poor baby. Here's what he
1: said. We got up at O Dark Thirty, went through two airports, had a long drive here, and our day is almost shot. And I realized then that he had not been on a commercial flight for Hallmark and certainly not having to go to some place like Center, Texas. He had gotten the – so let me explain to you, when you fly on the corporate jet, I got to do it a couple of times. From Hallmark, downtown Kansas City, it's about a 10-minute drive over to the downtown airport where all the executive planes are. Uh So you drive 10 minutes, and the first time I did it, I said, what time do we need to get there for this 1 o'clock flight? And they said, oh, 10 till 5 till what, what, whatever you, know, you, you literally pull up and park in front of the terminal little terminal thing i mean it's, yeah it's, walk in drop your bags over here and go get on the plane and that's it and it, it, it was that a, is
2: unimaginable oh it, yeah
1: and here's the other thing then they fly you to center texas right and land you 10 minutes from the plant on a little, you know, little baby runway because it's a little corporate jet so they can land them anywhere. And so that experience means that in a, in less than two hours, you've left your office and you're in the plant in center Texas in less than two. And it's it's not even close to a, the, the same experience.
2: That poor VP.
1: Now, I, I went off on that tangent because I think that Conrad Hilton was suffering from the same thing that mm-hmm. this, this uh, VP was. The first thing he did, was to refuse to turn off his cell phone when the cell, oh. you know, when they came around and said, you know, get rid of your cell phone. That's
2: phones. the Alec Baldwin move.
1: <laughs> That's a classic VIP, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Or as I like to call it, a VIWG, very important white guy.
2: Oh, yes. He
1: he's a very important white guy. They often are. I've only seen a few people really get belligerent in that situation, and it's always a middle-aged white guy who is obviously closing on a billion-dollar business deal. <laughs> <laughs> or, or so he'd like everyone to think. <laughs> so, so that's the first clue to the flight crew that we were going to have some problems with Conrad III.
2: Right.
1: Okay, the second thing he did was, before the you know seatbelt light goes off and you can get up and move around, he goes to the bathroom. And he doesn't just go to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. Guess what he does in the bathroom?
2: What do you mean?
1: You think he maybe smoked?
2: Oh, of course.
1: No, he smoked weed. <laughs> he smoked weed in the bathroom. Of course, when you you set off the smoke oh, alarm. Oh, that's
2: gross. Then the whole plane smells like <laughs> it weed. Smells like Ugh. weed.
1: But I'm guessing Conrad had some really good weed.
2: It still it smells bad. Smells like weed, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Now
1: here's the deal, poor Conrad. Uh, mm-hmm. You think it's probably illegal to put i don't know i don't know i don't travel internationally much i'm guessing you're not supposed to bring weed though
2: yeah you're not supposed to
1: okay this wasn't a big deal this was there were so many worse things than that that happened that this wasn't even mentioned when he got into court Mm -hmm. okay so he comes out of the bathroom you know the cloud of smoke the people Uh are like oh my gosh the smoke alarm's going off he punches the bulkhead because no. he's been confronted by a uh, <laughs> by an attendant, and he gets mad, and he repeatedly bellows. Now, I need to tell you what he said. I'm, I'm not going to say exactly Are what he says. Are you going to be
2: delicate about it? I've got
1: to be delicate about this. He uses the F-bomb. All the time. I mean, our
2: listeners aren't used to that. So you're going to have to. How about if I
1: how about if I use the word sexy times? Just like I have in past. (laughs) I've been working on you and Brandy to get you to say sexy times instead of the F bomb. It doesn't always work with you guys. You say it a few times and then you just laugh when Mm -hmm. you say it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to every time throughout this, the whole rest of this. And he says it a few times. You're going to hear sexy times. Okay. Okay. this is this is an early on quote. He punches the bulkhead, and then here's a quote. I was sexy time... <laughs>
2: I will sexy time... <laughs> you can't do it, can you?
1: It just doesn't flow I'm like the right. alphabet. That's what I'm saying. I will sexy-timesing own anyone on this flight. Oh. They are sexy-timing peasants. Oh, gross. Yeah, so he's talking down to the people, and no one wants to be talked <laughs> down what to...
2: they are a they're
1: in, they're in business class. Okay, so... We've got a major blow-up. We've got mm-hmm. the, the cell phone. Now we've got the major blow-up. He returns to his seat briefly, but once the seatbelt sign is off and everybody can get up and move around, you know he's moving around. Yeah. He appears again at the rear galley and complains that a male passenger is giving him the stink-eye. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first time I ever heard the term stink-eye was on Seinfeld when uh-huh. Kramer claimed somebody was giving him the stink-eye. I didn't even know it was a thing, but I guess people like to complain about people giving him the stink eye. Mm-hmm. But now, when you've reacted the way you have, the way this guy has, you think you probably are getting the stink eye from a lot of people. He's highly agitated at this point, obviously. And he says the man, and this is a quote, either wants to fight me or sexy times me, but I'm not gay.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: He, he accuses men of wanting to have sex with him or even rape him later on. And so I think he's got some kind of a homoerotic fantasy I'm not sure about. But he always claims he's not gay. But there are men who are wanting to have sex with him.
2: I'm glad he clarifies.
1: <laughs> in case you were wondering.
2: Yeah, in case you were interested, and in, as I'm sure all these men are. They probably were. You know, if
1: I'm on this plane right now, I'm afraid this thing's getting turned around because don't don't they turn planes around when nut jobs do crazy stuff?
2: What I know from the movie Bridesmaids is that sometimes they will just <laughs> land at the nearest airport that that's available.
1: You know, is bridesmaids is is it's that all your, accurate. That's your background on this? And that's is my background, yeah. Well, there's no place we're in the middle of the ocean by now. You know, okay. we've taken off from London. We're we're in the middle of the ocean, the Atlantic is kind of a long way to get across hilton's he's yelling at the passengers and crew and at some point they decide we've got to put a person one of the crew members to follow him around because he's he's wandering around the plane he's creating havoc we need to try to keep the passengers safe so they give him a chaperone and it's one of the flight attendants can you imagine this poor guy he's got to be
2: i'm just thinking if conrad were black i mean they would have they would have cuffed him i mean it would
1: he'd be cuffed already you think yes Yeah, yeah maybe so Okay, this just pisses him off. Uh huh. Stop following me. Oh,
2: God.
1: <laughs> I'm going to sexy times kill you. Okay. So he threatens the life of the flight attendant. I will sexy timing. Oh, this is hard. I will sexy timing rip through you.
2: Okay.
1: I will sexy timing own you. Okay. Now, I want you to pay, He's going to rip through somebody. Okay. You know how skinny his sister Paris is, or Mm -hmm. probably was when she was 20, at least?
2: No, she's still skinny. Okay,
1: she's still skinny. Okay, this guy is no bigger than her, and he's going to rip through somebody. Uh Now, I don't know how big and tough this flight attendant was, but I'm guessing it was the biggest, toughest flight attendant they had, and he was going to rip through him. He approached another flight attendant. This is a monstrous double-decker plane. Uh So there's 21 flight attendants. So he gets, you know, I'm sure they were trying to stay away from him. So you only had to have one confrontation with the guy. He approaches another flight attendant and brags that he has been banned by other airlines. Oh. Don't you think it's good to to brag about that?
2: I'm going to say this guy needs to be put down.
1: You're going to get a tranquilizer dart and put him down?
2: Well, that's the nicest way of putting it.
1: I'm sure the uh, flight attendant took some notes there and said, We need to make sure we are like those other airlines in the future and ban this guy. Okay, then it's nappy nap time. Oh, God. He's tired. You know, again, it's a 10 hour flight. We're only a few hours into it. Jeez. Time to take a nap. Now, I'm going to jump to, i, I got to tell you what his lawyer said in court. Was that he was on sleeping medication? Oh, sure. Now his lawyer, mm-hmm. Robert Shapiro. Oh my God! O.J. Simpson, Robert Shapiro, Ew. lawyer. You got to get you got to get the big dog to take care of this stuff. He Shapiro in court says he was on sleeping medications.
2: Mm-hmm, I'm sure.
1: Lots of medications, I'm sure. Um, so when he wakes up about an hour later. He approaches yet another flight attendant. Again, there's 21 of them, so he seeks out another one and says, I'm going to sexy times kill you also. Now, he, this, in this case, there's a physical altercation. He grabs the man's shirt and his name badge and says, I could get you fired in five minutes. I know your boss. My father will pay this out. Oh. He's done it before. Dad paid 300000 last time.
2: Ew. And I
1: think that explains the entire problem. Daddy has paid a lot of stuff out. So he's only 20. Yeah. And this is only the first like major, major blow up we know about. But daddy must have paid and covered up a whole bunch of stuff in the past. And this sounds like it's going to cost like way more than 300000 to me. Mm-hmm. You think? Okay. The flight attendants are finished. They got to bring out the big guns. So you know who comes out next when there's not a federal air marshal on board? Who? Co-pilot.
2: <gasps> oh.
1: They are pretty sure. This is how confident this co-pilot is. He's pretty sure that when he comes onto the flight onto the flight deck, that he will have this authority to subdue Hilton.
2: Oh, give me a break. Yeah,
1: that, well, it didn't It didn't work. He goes out there and argues with him and talks with him and screams at him and they scream at each other. And what ends up happening is the, the uh, co-pilot goes back to the cockpit. He comes out from the flight deck a second time and presents Hilton with a final written warning.
2: No, that ought to do it. I'm sure he won't rip that into shreds. Oh, you guessed it. Uh Uh-huh.
1: What I was going to say was he read it carefully. It Mm -hmm. was a long uh, document. He read it carefully. He realized the error of his ways, and he sat quietly the rest of the flight. Yeah. Instead, you already blew my my, uh, joke there. Hilton rips it up. Of course. Of course. So, and again, I'm, I'm wondering, we're, we're somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, so you're not pulling a bridesmaid and dropping, you know, dropping into an airport anywhere. You got to keep going at this point. hmm Okay. After this, he falls back to sleep. So, there may have been some kind of a sleeping pill, or maybe it was just the weed he was smoking. He smoked so much weed, it put him to sleep. Maybe. Um So they huddle up. The co-pilot and some of the crew huddle up and think, what are we going to do with this crazy kid? Um, They decide they are going to get a blanket, and they're going to subdue him with a blanket and handcuffs. And so it doesn't explain exactly how this was done. Like you
2: swaddle a baby, you're going to wrap him real tight? I'm sure the
1: blanket was wrapped around his arms,
2: Uh and
1: then he's got the cuffs on, and didn't say anything about I would have cuffed his feet too, just to keep him from moving around. But that didn't go over well. You might imagine when he wakes uh-huh, up, uh-huh. he wakes up and he starts screaming, among other things, that he's a model and the crew uh-huh. is going to ruin his career. <laughs> now, I don't, I don't know that he has ever had a modeling job may i, I,
2: may I google him real fast oh to see do how it i couldn't
1: find anything on him being a model but when you've done as many crazy things as he's done being a model may be on page 12 of the google search i think he's confused with his sisters who are models that uh, i couldn't find anything that said he was a model in any way
2: oh ew. no <laughs> no that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> oh boy He's got a real punchable face.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure that the flight attendants and the uh, co pilot felt that way. Uh huh. Okay. So you think this is going to be really, really bad. There may be some, you know, we've got assault. We've got some other stuff. But there's really not much record at this point of, of the bad stuff he's done. And so when he goes to court, he pleads guilty. You know, mm-hmm. oh, what are you going to do? People have cell phone-cameraed him. They've recorded all this stuff. Because that's why we have so many good quotes. is, there was lots of what people. What year was this? This was 2014. Okay. okay, Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this wasn't that long ago. Robert Shapiro, though, mm-hmm. you got Robert Shapiro, three years parole. Spoiler alert, he violates that three years parole a bunch of times.
2: Probation, you mean?
1: Probation, yeah, parole. <laughs> <laughs> I've got parole written down even. I really messed that up. Yeah, probation. It's a good
2: thing you're on a podcast with someone so smart.
1: I, it is. Mm-hmm. It's a great legal mind. Great yeah. legal mind. Okay, the next year, he breaks into his ex-girlfriend's home.
2: Oh, my God.
1: This woman, several weeks before, had put her mom, uh, I don't know how old she is or was, her name's Hunter Solomon, and they would put a uh, restraining order on him because, well, I don't know why, because I'm sure he was yeah, a boyfriend. he sounds boyfriend, like a great guy. Great boyfriend. Side note here, Hunter Solomon is the voice of Tommy Pickles on Rugrats.
2: Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't
1: even know what that means. I, just,
2: I, I do, and our listeners do. They're all very impressed right now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I knew Rugrats was a cartoon, and I don't know who Tommy Pickles is, but uh, he spent a few days in jail for violating that order and going to her house, mm. and, you know, the police are called What a that.
2: shame that he had to face some consequences. You know,
1: it, it looks like the family would kind of let him sit in jail increasingly longer periods of time because the next year... He violated his. Um, you know, I've got down here parole. I think he he must have. Uh, well, gotten, did you
2: pull from a source that said parole? Maybe yeah, it was yeah. parole.
1: It, it, and I, okay, I maybe from, I'm wrong. 2016 violates parole. Spent two months in jail. So even Robert Shapiro, or maybe his parents just said, "Okay, let's let's leave him in jail for a while." Cocaine had mm-hmm. some had, did some cocaine. So, okay. but two months on a cocaine charge seems like. Kind of low, and you're already on probation. Uh huh. Okay.
2: Yeah, he got the white guy justice. No he, he's,
1: yeah, he, he's not suffering. He's no. not suffering yet. Okay, the next year, 2017, he's about 23 years old. He goes to that ex girlfriend, Hunter's uh, house. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, he goes to her dad's house. Mom and dad are separated. Mom and dad are, don't, uh, are not married anymore. Rick Solomon is her dad. Okay. And he has a Bentley at his house. And he also has a connection to Paris Hilton. Do you know the connection between Rick Solomon and Paris Hilton? No. There was a sex tape. Ew. In 2003. Ew. It's Paris.
2: And Rick Solomon? And
1: Rick Solomon. Ew. The girlfriend's dad.
2: Ew. And Conrad was dating the... Ew.
1: Conrad. Little little Conrad 3 is dating the daughter of the man who made the sex tape with his sister.
2: Yuck. Oh, good grief. The circles are too small.
1: Okay, now, I found this really funny. Do you know the name of that sex tape?
2: Midnight in Paris or something? <laughs> well, isn't
1: that? It? Yeah, it's very close. A night in Paris. Yeah, yeah. And in is not capitalized or anything, just a night in Paris. But okay. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> See, we need Brandy in here right now, because Brandy would be on the floor on a night in Paris. That She would think that was hilarious.
2: Well sorry as oh. fun as it is to talk about porn titles with your dad <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay okay so let's let's move on so he steals the bentley and you know you'd think that would be too obvious a car to steal and you're driving around la in a bentley
2: mm, no not when you're conrad hilton and well, i'm sure and driving I in the areas he's driving in exactly it's
1: like having a camry here in kansas city there's about a, 10, a of very them. very
2: flashy car. so
1: very, very <laughs> nice car you don't have a camry
2: i used to oh you used to back when i was living high on the hog on my parents dime back
1: back when dad bought you hey that was an eight-year-old camry you got too wasn't that a sweet car
2: i drove that forever
1: i know you drove it till it had two hundred and some thousand miles on it and uh
2: do you know how i how i convinced someone that i wasn't like a shady reporter there was this woman who called up the newspaper when i was a reporter and she was she was kind of a nervous nut. She had some story on the school district. But before she wanted to tell me this dirt, she wanted to make sure that I wasn't on the payroll for the local school district. And so it was like she thought I was an undercover cop. You know how people think that like if you ask, the police have to answer honestly. So she was like, are you on or have ever been on the payroll for the local county school district? And I I just started laughing at her, and I said, ma'am, I drive a 1994 Camry. And then she told me the story.
1: Well, it's not like school employees are highly paid and they're driving Bentleys. But
2: the idea that I was like getting my (laughs) massive reporter salary in addition, I was being paid off by the school district. And yeah, I'm driving around in a 94 Camry. (laughs) Come on.
1: She was a conspiracy theory nut job, wasn't
2: she? She absolutely was a nut.
1: Okay, well, let's get back to the story.
2: No, I want to tell you more stories about myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, enough stories about you, back to Conrad Hilton. He's an interesting character. So we understand that now he has arrived at Hunter Solomon's home, okay. where her mom is. She's called the police because, you know, he showed up there before.
2: Hunter's the mom, right? Hunter is, is no, Hunter's like the, the daughter. The okay.
1: ex-girlfriend, uh, the, the mom, I got it, got it later in the script where the, okay. where the mom calls again
2: because
1: he shows up quite a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, sure. Police arrive, and he starts calling the police racial and homophobic slurs. Cool, now, cool. Now, I don't know whether he thought it was just people of color and gays that were trying to arrest him, but he for some reason was calling them all racial and homophobic slurs he wrestled with them again it couldn't have taken more than more than about one person to take him down he screamed again i'm sexy timing conrad hilton and don't you forget it oh boy he would later claim that the police assaulted him and touched his penis no
2: come on (laughs) Well, I tell you what—we hear a lot about police brutality these days. It's—it's it's rare to hear a fake one, isn't it? <laughs> That's refreshing.
1: Well, and here's the deal—you know—they have security cameras on this whole thing. Oh, and there's lots did of did it somehow
2: miss the penis touch? It didn't miss. It didn't catch any
1: <laughs> penis touch. Lots of racial epitaphs, homophobic slurs. Uh-huh. Yelled loudly. Lots of little wrestling and getting, but nothing about penis touching on tape. Mm. So they, you know, those police. I'm guessing they, they got must in.
2: have got in there and <laughs> messed with the tape. Yeah.
1: Okay. So he stole the car.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, probably a hundred fifty thousand dollar car. I don't know what a Bentley cost, but it's not in my price range. Violated the restraining order by going over to Hunter's house. Sure. Assaulted the police mm-hmm. and at the same time resisted arrest. And so the district attorney said, "Let's go to court."
2: Yes. Okay. Come on. What do we got?
1: Okay. Well, remember he's Conrad, sexy timing Hilton. Don't, right. You're not expecting him to get too much of a punishment. Well, are I'm you? hoping. Okay, so the first thing they do when they arrest you, in a, excuse me, in that situation, is they take you to the Los Angeles County Jail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if you refuse to leave your cell and refuse to go to any kind of a hearing to find out more about whether they should charge you, they just leave you in there for a while. And I don't know whether he thought he was going to just come and mom and dad were going to get him out of there and the whole thing and be over. But he stayed in there for several days before he figured, OK, I, I got to go, gotta go to court, meet with my buddy Robert uh-huh. and see what we can get done with this. So eventually he does go to court and it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He was behind what looked like some bars and a plexiglass standing behind Robert Shapiro. So you see Shapiro there, and then he's peeking his head out around him. They've got a camera in the courtroom, and he is saying, you can't hear him because they've got everything shut off there, and so you can't hear what he's saying, but he's making faces, looking around the courtroom, ignoring the judge's instructions, and when he finds the camera, mm-hmm. and he finally sees the camera, he says, this is so sexy-timing gay. Oh, my You can God. actually read read his lips on that. Good
2: grief.
1: The judge, you know, sees this kind of behavior and tells Conrad that he needs to take these charges, and there are several of them, obviously, very seriously.
2: Mm-hmm. So Conrad immediately straightened up.
1: Well, listen to this. He, he does, kind of. I will, Your Honor. I'm sorry to the court and to the entire state for disrespecting the court. Wow. Now, if he would have just stopped right there, uh-huh. it might have made some sense.
2: Then did he say, psych!
1: <laughs> <laughs> then came a really, really odd statement, and there are two different versions on exactly what he said. Okay. I'll read both versions. They're both hilarious. The first version is, I do not have sex with hookers, what? and I'm sorry. I do not have sex with hookers, and I'm sorry.
2: He wasn't being accused of it, right? That's
1: right. It was kind of an unprovoked (laughs) error. I'm guessing, he. here's my guess. He was having sex with hookers, and he is sorry. But because he hadn't even been, you know, he must have gotten confused as to what the charges were. Because there were four different charges, none of them having sex with hookers. But maybe in a prior, you know, court appearance, that had come up. And so he thought it was important to say it the other quote that was in another source was said i am not obsessed with hookers and i'm sorry
2: (laughs) (laughs) which is Uh, really (laughs) that's my favorite one
1: (laughs) okay we're gonna go with that one in
2: the tv version
1: (laughs) i think this must go back to his fixation with um, homoerotica this sex thing he's always talking about
2: he's always sexy time and loving it
1: (laughs) he is okay so later on When the judge was discussing his behavior in court, he was kind of going over, you know, the things he had said to the police officers, the assault of the police officers and the homophobic slurs. Hilton disagreed with the judge's assessment and he yelled, objection, Uh I got assaulted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, now, do you know, can a uh, defendant object in court? No, that's their lawyer's the job. Lawyer Robert
2: Shapiro probably wanted to punch him in the face.
1: I was afraid you were going to have to call uh, Franklin, your your real lawyer buddy, on that. Oh, but you, you knew that yourself.
2: I knew it myself from many courtroom dramas. <laughs>
1: You've watched enough to know? Yeah. Okay, Kristen. Yes. What do you think he got? Car theft. I'm going to go over these again. Violating a restraining order, threatening an officer, resisting arrest, assaulting an officer
2: for conrad hilton i'm gonna say one year
1: no jail time
2: (laughs) come on you're talking
1: (laughs) three years probation give me a break this is beyond white privilege this is shapiro privilege you know shapiro got oj off and so well
2: he was totally innocent totally
1: innocent so (laughs) but can you can you believe that i i have no idea what what i can his dad's name's not conrad senior but whatever his dad's name is i can't believe how much he must have paid yeah to get to get that because that's some serious stuff and so you're and you're having to pay off you know the, you're paying off everyone. the solomons you're having to pay off the police department you having to and, and not that i i don't know how that works if you you know if you get the police to drop it if you get give them enough money and buy tickets to the policeman's ball or something i don't know how that works but Unbelievable! It
2: must have been kind of upsetting, though, to give that money to that officer who grabbed his son's dong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not really, that's not appropriate, is it? No, You'd no. Think you you're like, get... I
2: shouldn't have to pay you, but here we are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so let's do a final wrap-up on this sad tale of family wealth. This is
2: so infuriating. Family
1: fame and privilege, okay? 2019, just last year. Mm-hmm. This is so tame. This this It dies a slow, sad death. According to surveillance footage at the home of E.G. Daly, that's Hunter's mom. Okay. All they have is the footage because they didn't have to call the police. He shows up just before 4 a.m. in the morning one day. He's wearing a bathrobe oh. and he's seen carrying a stuffed bear. Oh, Again, God. Again, he hasn't dated this woman for like six years. The restraining order has kept them apart and you know obviously she's not wanting to have anything to do with him he leaves a stuffed bear blankets he left his robe a water bottle oh no and a welcome home mat (laughs) (laughs) and then he left so you know the only sad thing about this case is it's the only sad no there's, there's no the only sad case for him oh is that i'm guessing he's got some some mental health issues but the hilarious thing is the stuff he says when he gets caught and the fact that his parents just keep everything, they keep doing everything they can to keep him out of any serious jail time. He
2: was never parented. That's the sad thing.
1: Probably not. Probably not.
2: Does that sound like a guy who's been parented at all?
1: No, it does not. You're, yeah. you're, you're probably right. So, it, But it, it's, it's, it's rough times for him. Rough times for him. And he yeah. has spent some time in jail. Meh. I'm guessing... Keep an eye on TMZ and other news outlets uh, that love this stuff, and I'm guessing he's going to show up some more.
2: It must be terrifying to be Hunter. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Because you know this guy who's after you, he's never going to get
1: he. Yeah, he hasn't gotten punished. over you. You need to get him set up with uh, with a, a real girlfriend so he doesn't <laughs> bother you oh, anymore. You
2: need to find his next victim for him? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs>
1: Okay, so that is the sad, long, sad drama, and and the, you know the guy's like, what, twenty five years old still. I mean, he's he's had a lifetime of problems in uh, in the last five or six years, but that's the that's that's my case, and I
0: am sticking to it. Ugh.
2: Ba-bam! All right, Dad. You ready for a story?
1: I can't wait to hear your story.
2: Okay, so I've, I've told you a little bit before we got started. But here's the deal. I found this story about two years ago. And I wanted to do it so badly. But the truth is, there's just not a lot on it online. In fact, I noticed, basically, this woman, Rhonda Simmons, for The Star Exponent, she wrote this article, and basically every other article is just... Linking back to her with the words mixed around a little bit. So all credit goes to her. There's just not a lot on this. But as the listeners will soon find out, you have some expertise in gross workplace stories.
1: I have a couple of gross workplace stories.
2: And so I decided, you know, I've wanted to tell this story for forever. It's going to be short. It's going to be light. But you're going to Be helping out with some extra stories.
1: (laughs) I'll throw in some good stories if I have any.
2: Okay. It was Monday, March 16th, 2009. Michael Utz was at work. He worked for the city of Culpeper, Virginia, and he was a plant mechanic for the town's environmental services department. He'd been at the job since 2002, so he was pretty well established. He had friends, he had enemies, and he had his very own coffee pot so that monday morning he went over to his coffee pot he opened up the area that held the water and he noticed two things first there was already water in the coffee maker and second and more importantly the water didn't smell like water Uh oh it smelled like urine
1: Oh, I'm guessing like a cat got in there or something. (laughs) A cat got in, flipped up that tray. (laughs) And peed in there.
2: So he was like, whoa, nope, nope, nope. And he went to his supervisor, Eugene Ronnie Brown. And he was like, hey, boss, I think someone put urine in my coffee pot. And Eugene said, you know what? I think we should send it to a lab and get it tested.
1: (laughs) This This is a good methodology here
2: yeah so they did
1: you got dna in that in that urine yeah oh my this is (laughs) not bad now unless the urinator uh stole someone else's urine this they're gonna catch this guy pretty quickly
2: well and i don't know that they ran a dna test but you know it's like you can determine pretty quickly is this really urine in here
1: oh yeah okay that's that's simple Probably they know that Probably already. A with sniff a test, right? sniff test, right? Little sniff test This lab is, is is unnecessary.
2: So that very day, they took the liquid that was in the coffee pot and sent it to the lab to be tested. I don't know if maybe they had a lab on site or whatever. This all happened very quickly. Okay. Sure enough, the lab results came back, and the liquid contained urine and fecal matter.
1: Ooh. Ugh feces matter oh this is not good
2: eugene was like okay this is gross so he called a mandatory meeting with all of his employees <laughs> and he was like look gang <laughs> nobody's getting
1: out of this meeting
2: <laughs> someone someone in here peed in michael's coffee pot who did it
1: i've got it i've got to say you said you're wanting some hr expertise this is not what i would do
2: Okay. Well, I think
1: not? I'd go. I'd go investigation. Totally, um, I would talk to people individually uh-huh. as to who do you think might have done that. I call in a big meeting. I mean, what's the effect? Somebody's going to raise their hand. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Go I ahead. I don't
2: know. So he's he's up there. Asking the guilty party to come forward. And dad, as you predicted, no one <laughs> came forward.
1: Nobody marched down the aisle for no. that one.
2: But he's, you know, he had the evidence. He's like, it's been tested in a lab. I don't know at that point if you lie. What I would do, okay, if I were a manager and I was doing the, the mandatory meeting, yeah. I'd say, we sent it to the lab. It has come back positive as urine. They're running more tests more DNA tests on it, and we'll find out those results in a few days. If you come forward now, I can work with you. If we get to the point where we have to find out, then it'll be a much more serious conversation. That's yeah. how manager Kristen would... Well, that's a,
1: it's a good manager, Kristen. I will tell you, though, that if you've peed and pooed in someone's coffee <laughs> bite, you're getting fired no matter when you come forward.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, you know, sometimes you lie to scare the pants off of people.
1: Yeah, I... I um, I never really had to go that route. We we were we were more in the investigative mode and mm. find out what the real deal was. I'm trying to think if I would have ever kind of pretended I knew more than I did. Um, I don't really remember. I may, maybe I did, but I don't remember doing that. I don't remember kind of okay. faking it.
2: Tell it to the judge. All right. So he's trying to get someone to come forward. They're waiting. They're waiting. No one came forward. No one wanted to admit that they'd been the <laughs> coffee peer but the guilt must have eaten the coffee pier alive. <laughs> or it was just super obvious who did it. I think it must have, I mean, surely in any given workplace, if if you're told someone here peed in the coffee pot, you know.
1: That's when I'd be talking to individuals. Yeah, yeah. Trying to get to the bottom of it.
2: Because it's not like, oh, I don't know, it could be anybody. You know, no, there's going to be some weirdo. Okay. On Tuesday, March 17th, The day after this gross crime was committed, a man named James Carroll Butler came forward. He had been working for the town's wastewater plant for 17 years, and he wasn't a big fan of Michael. According to James, he had personal ill will and spite toward Michael. Mm. James told Eugene exactly what he'd done. A few days later, he wrote a letter explaining himself. Are you ready for the explanation?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear it.
2: Hold on. What do you think the explanation is?
1: Um, I think the explanation is that I did it. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I'm trying to think.
2: Put I, your put yourself in the shoes of a coffee peer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I can't. Let me let me break into okay. this and tell you a story of when I was sitting down accusing a guy of something absolutely oh no not as gross but but really really bad yeah okay so um at hallmark one time i had a manager come to me and say someone is wiping poo on the inside of one of the stalls in the bathroom and Mm -hmm. and he told me which bathroom it was what can we do to try to stop this and i thought hmm well we we could, put, so
2: gross.
1: we could put a camera outside maybe but then you know it's it, but it wasn't a, a hugely used bathroom right so you know okay we put a camera outside we we time it and then then somebody's gonna have to go check and you know yeah you know this is gonna be a little awkward But I tell you what, the guy was doing it so often. Fortunately, this was not a bathroom I used, so I never actually had to see it. So
2: you were like, I don't really care.
1: (laughs) How does this affect me? (laughs) Really, it's not a big deal. I'm going to this bathroom here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we put the camera out and this manager and this guy was like three levels above this guy that got caught. He kind of had an idea of who it was to begin with,
2: exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Because you people, kind
1: of know, you kind of know who, who the weirdos are, who's, uh, who's acting strangely. And the the reason I wanted to bring this up now, so we get it narrowed down, we know who mm-hmm. it is. I call the guy. In.
2: You got it narrowed down based on the on the camera from footage and okay.
1: and the going in. Okay, we got the camera. He comes out. He's the only one who's been in there. The manager goes in, takes the pictures of it. We've got.
2: Oh, gross. <laughs> T-
1: so while I didn't actually see it, I got many photos of it.
2: Oh, beautiful.
1: And so I call the guy in. And, you know, here's the deal. It doesn't make any difference what this guy says. He's getting fired. Right. But his first thing is, well, no. And here, here's the deal. This guy is a really brilliant scientist. A sm- I mean, this is a smart guy. This isn't some yahoo off the street. Right. T- I mean, over 30 years with Hallmark. He first says, well, that must have, you know, I, I wouldn't wipe. What are you talking about, wiping it? You know, he acted like I was being crazy.
2: Yeah, which and you would. You would act that way.
1: Until, until you know, I, I said, I reach over, I tap this folder,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: said, we got pictures. You want to look at them? No. Well, yeah, I just can't imagine. So I get these pictures out and lay these pictures out in front of him, and he said, that must have splashed up out of the <laughs> toilet i have i have explosive diarrhea sometimes i said no this is there are one and in some cases two finger smears across this.
2: Ew, ew.
1: so and so i didn't <laughs> say you know i could have said you know we got dna test but i didn't i'm just right. so his, that was his first excuse
2: okay first excuse is explosive diarrhea explosive Classic. diarrhea
1: and he can tell Daryl's been around for a while and he's not buying the excuse.
2: <laughs> Daryl's had diarrhea himself.
1: <laughs> Second excuse, this one, this is when you almost start laughing. He says, Well, I hate my boss, but she's a woman, so I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> and I'm like, And I literally, I mean, I was, you know me, I can't hold back a smile no, you a You and
2: I have terrible poker faces. I said,
1: You're saying because you hate your boss who is a woman? that you, couldn't you wouldn't possibly. have done this in the men's bathroom are you saying you would have if it was you would have to be in the woman's bathroom is that what you're telling me and he says well yeah yeah um so so that was his the two excuses he pulled out of his rear end mm. which is kind of an appropriate uh, place to it out, of his rear, rear out of, his rear end. of his rear end and then i just <laughs> i said um you can go on home now we're uh, <laughs> we're gonna process some paperwork yeah. <laughs> thanks for being with us and again 30 plus years that the guy had been with us. But, did you shake uh, his hand? I did not shake
2: his <laughs> hand.
1: Not even close. And if he would have stuck it out, I would have you know, I would have played like we were in the middle of the coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> Putting my hands up. But uh, yeah, so I, you know, similar situation. So what made me think of this was you ask, what was his excuse? Well, yeah. You can't, who would have ever thought that, you know, this one guy's excuse would be, well, explosive diarrhea. Maybe that's a that's a I reasonable. think that's a
2: pretty good excuse, um, yeah.
1: But when that one gets shot down, who would have thought, I hate my female boss? That's that's not what you come up with. So the bottom line is. I'm obsessed with the hookers. I'm sorry. I, 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 here, here, I'm going to give you one. I sleepwalk and I thought I was in the bathroom. I fell asleep at work. I sleepwalk. I thought I was in the bathroom, and I urinated into the cup instead of the toilet.
2: Okay, that's the- That's,
1: that's all I can come up with. Okay. And that's terrible.
2: He said, I done something I am very ashamed of to a co coworker for stress-related things going on in my life, on and off the job. I'm very much ashamed of my stupid and childlike behavior. Which...
1: I tell you what, that's as good as you can do. I agree. That's as good as you can do. You can you kind of feel sorry for him. Uh, you realize there's uh, some really negative things going on in his world. I will tell you, as an HR manager, he is still out the door. Well, yeah, who wants this
2: guy around? Good grief. <laughs> so here's the deal. Apparently, oh, this is so gross. Apparently this dude had gone into work, peed in a toilet, then taken an empty soda can, filled it with the urine and then poured it into Michael's coffee pot.
1: Oh, see, I was picturing him actually peeing <laughs> straight into well, the okay. pot.
2: When I was doing the gross research for this case, this is an epidemic. This this is happening. And so there was one case I couldn't figure out what happened with it. But there was surveillance footage of a guy straight up peeing Pee- into
1: I actually I've seen, I've seen that because when you something comes up on your newsfeed about a guy peeing in a coffee pot, well, you, you gotta, gotta, gotta look at. You it. gotta
2: click. We're only human. <laughs> yeah. So you know, James was obviously fired, as you predicted. Uh, and in May of that year, a judge found him guilty of criminal misdemeanor assault for putting urine in his coworker's coffee. What do you think the? Okay, now obviously he's no Hilton, but what do you think the? What do you think the punishment is for someone who puts urine? in the coffee pot the person doesn't actually drink it but you know
1: i'm gonna say he got uh six months jail and uh, no 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 three months jail 90 days jail okay. and uh three years probation
2: okay um the judge sentenced james to a year in jail one year of unsupervised probation and ordered him to pay a whopping 96 dollars in court costs But it wasn't quite that harsh because the judge suspended 11 months of his sentence, so he only spent one month in jail. So
1: he spent less than I guessed. Yeah, yeah.
2: But that wasn't enough for Michael. Oh,
1: no. Oh, no, Michael.
2: He was horrified and disgusted by what James had done. And yeah, James had been forced to face some consequences, but not enough. So he went over to James's house, and he pissed in his coffee (laughs) pot. (laughs) no No, he eye
1: for an eye (laughs) it's it's, it's a it's a biblical deal there
2: he looked himself in the mirror and he said let's Let's go go to court." court civil court He sued James for, okay, how much do you think he sued James for?
1: Well, I'm sure he sued him for like a million, uh, Uh but he should have sued him for 10000 I hope he got that. Okay. Now, and here's the other thing. What? I'm guessing the guy doesn't have a nickel to his name.
2: That would be my guess, too. I mean, if you're to the point in your life where you're putting pee in someone's coffee pot, I assume lots of things are going wrong. You're not doing well financially. (laughs) And if your quote is,
1: I done something wrong... That's not uh, that's not a guy who's going out and getting a you know a big time engineering job. Or Although,
2: anything. but your guy was a freaking scientist, right? Yeah, that's
1: true. He's yeah, he was a big time scientist. So you never know.
2: Yeah, so maybe we're maybe we're just judging here. Maybe we need some more respect for these coffee peers. So he sued James for seven hundred twenty eight thousand dollars. He said that the urine in his coffee pot had caused him severe emotional distress, which.
1: Did he have a mathematical formula to come up with 728?
2: So here's here's the thing that drives me crazy about this. I want to know everything because he wanted $378,000 in compensatory damages, which I'm like, okay, I want to hear more. How did you get to that? Did you have to take a ton of time off work and you must be very well compensated? <laughs> and like, you know, did you have to pay X amount in therapy? And my God, that had to have been a lot. You know, I want to know how they got there. And $350,000 in punitive damages. Okay. And so again, I don't have much on this, but obviously you're owed something because that's gross and that would be distressing. But the bottom line is he didn't drink the stuff. Yeah. So what's, how much harm was there? So the jury listened to the case and they were disgusted, but they weren't that disgusted. (laughs) In the end, they decided that James should pay Michael $5,001.
1: And he didn't have that, so...
2: (laughs) I hope he had that. Well, here's how they broke it down. They thought James owed Michael $1 in compensatory damages, which just feels rude, and $5,000 in punitive damages. Okay. Michael's lawyer said that he was very, very pleased with the verdict. And that's the story of a man who put his urine in someone else's coffee pot.
1: That is some bad news. That is some bad news. You know, um, it's it's hard to say how many really, really bad things have happened over the years in uh, workplaces as far as the in, in the refrigerators and stuff. Um, yeah. Because that's... Boy, if you got a crazy person, and there's access to you know food and coffee and things yeah, like who that, who
2: knows what has been done that we just don't know about?
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, I even get worried. We'd always have like potlucks and stuff. Oh, I know. And people would bring mm-hmm. stuff in, and I was I was at a, a plant one time, uh, not a plant I worked in, but a plant I was I had the HR responsibility for. So I had a local HR rep there. So I would go in like kind of like in center texas i go in every month or month yeah. and a half and um they were having a big potluck uh deal there going and i thought oh this is this is great because you know I, I i like to eat good stuff and one lady kind of came over to me and said um hey that um that macaroni deal there that uh, cheesy mac stuff and i said Oh yeah, i love it she says i've been to that lady's house i wouldn't touch it." <laughs> <laughs> and and I was still tempted. Now I, I, oh, God, I didn't. Dad. There was other good stuff. <laughs> here's here's how bad I am. One time, I left my office for a couple hours for a meeting, mm-hmm. and I came back, and there was this big piece of chocolate cake on my desk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had just let a bunch of people go, and we'd had some, you know, <laughs> unhappy folks. Yeah. But Chris, at first, I thought i i don't think i'm gonna eat that i you know i just i don't know who did it you know
2: yeah and people are mad at me who, and so uh, yeah
1: i step outside my office and i ask hey did did who brought me the cake this is great <laughs> they're like i i don't know i didn't see anybody i don't know and, you know that should be a red flag yeah it was the phantom pooper Kristen. i chowed that cake down it was delicious and i was fine but let me tell you that's not a smart thing to do that's when nothing bad happens but you've done something that's not smart Eating that chocolate cake, having no idea where it came from, who uh-huh. put it there, not a good idea. Now, later that day, a lady came by and said, hey, did you get the cake we left for you? And I was like, oh, great, thanks. Yeah. So it was fine. But She
2: said, oh, I pooped in it myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but so... I am the kind of guy that I, you know. I let that set for you know maybe twenty or thirty minutes is all <laughs> it lasted, and that's when I went out and asked the folks, and I still I still ate it though, Kristen. I could not resist. So I know you did. I could be a victim of one of these pooper slash peers into the into the food.
2: Here's here's a gross thing that I read when I was looking at all these other articles. Somebody was like, you know, from a health perspective you probably wouldn't get sick from drinking someone else's urine.
1: Right, right.
2: But it's just gross. And so who knows what went on with that cake. But there and... was
1: fecal matter <laughs> in, that, in that urine. They said fecal matter, yeah. too, because he scooped it out of the toilet. So...
2: You know another gross thing I'm thinking? What? how dehydrated would you have to be? I mean, you've peed into the toilet and then you take some of it into a soda can and it still smells so bad that it overpowers the lingering coffee smell in that coffee pot.
1: Urine is a pretty strong smell, Kristen, I I think. uh,
2: I I suspect that our buddy James was also pretty dehydrated, though, is all I'm saying.
0: Could be, could Mm -hmm. be.
2: Well, this has been disgusting. <laughs> Should we move on to the Discord? Yes, Discord it. So, Dad, here's the deal. We asked the Discord if they Wait a had... minute.
1: How do you get into the Discord again? I know you talked about this, but I have forgotten.
2: Mm. Well, here's the thing you sign up for our Patreon at the appellate or Supreme Court level. <laughs> so I was supposed to jump in there. What? Beautifully I? done. <laughs> so um we asked them for questions and you like a politician wanting to be prepared for your totally off the cuff town hall meeting (laughs) you were like do i just see the questions ahead of time so you peeked at a few of these but most of these are new i hate to tell you
1: i'm ready i'm ready are they all directed to me or well i guess this is first time i've been on the podcast for a while so they got questions oh yeah
2: people people have just been itching to ask you questions i bet they have Rafiki seven three seven wants to know what is DP's favorite Kristen and Norm story.
1: Hmm. Ooh, favorite Kristen and Norm story. I, here, here's my favorite thing that you guys have ever done, was to ask me to officiate your wedding.
2: Oh,
1: that was it was so what an honor to be able to officiate your your kids' wedding, and hint hint, all you have to do if you want to officiate a wedding, at least in Missouri. Uh, and in Florida, too, because I've done it there, is to go online and sign yourself up as a minister of—I can't, can't think of the name of a church that I said <laughs> I was—but they, they they'll send you a certificate and everything— and, Which you
2: have framed and hung <laughs> in your okay, house.
1: It's in my office. Yeah, uh, so that was so cool that you guys asked me to do that, and it was so fun being able to kind of tell stories about you and and how great both of you are. And mm-hmm. it was uh, it was fun. So that was my that's my favorite story about you guys, I guess.
2: Marius wants to know what were DP's first impressions of Norm and Brandy?
1: Okay, so that's Brandy tough with
2: Brandy because you've known Brandy forever. It's
1: it's, it's a long time, but. I tell you what you can. Her intellect. Uh huh. In so, stupid, so you, huh? you met her in in fourth grade. After, fifth grade. Fifth you know, grade. Oh, you didn't meet her till fifth grade.
2: We didn't become friends till fifth grade.
1: Okay, so I probably met her in fifth grade, mm-hmm. and you could just tell by sitting around talking to this little fifth grader how sharp she was. I mean. She is one smart cookie. I know only one semester of, of uh, criminal justice, uh-huh. but she is one, one sharp cookie. And and you can tell, obviously, you can tell now. Um, I don't remember the big laugh back in the day. And oh, that you be, don't? No, it may be because... When she's talking to the parents, maybe she was kind of subduing that a little bit. Now I don't
2: think Brandy has the ability to subdue anything. <laughs> well, but once we
1: got to know her and she went on vacation with mm-hmm. us and things like that, you'd, you'd hear the big bellowing laugh. Yeah. But, like, the the first impressions of, of uh, like, it, taking you guys out, uh, I think I mentioned this last time, uh, taking you guys out trick-or-treating and things like that uh, and, and talking to her, just one sharp cookie, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. First impression of Norm. First impression of Norm. We as we went out to uh, North Carolina,
2: uh-huh.
1: and uh, I remember he, he was a, a real active guy. You had Peanut at the time, mm-hmm. and he was like super active playing with Peanut, and and yeah. Uh, uh, I thought that was neat that he was he was he's, he's a he's a dog lover and a cat lover, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that was the first impression.
2: Really? I didn't know that was your first impression. Was well, being... just
1: I have I have a memory of like we go on walks in the campground. Yeah. Um, And him, you know, Peanut was loose and he was chasing Peanut around. And the three of us were kind of walking. Yeah. I was thinking this is and, you know, uh, Norman's. Uh, somewhat uh, somewhat ath- athletic uh, in in soccer and things like that so you could see he was kind of quick and, and that kind of stuff, I remember ooh, that
2: Oh, athletic boy, okay <laughs>
1: Just look at him, just look at just him Just look at him, is that what one of his friends said?
2: Yes <laughs> uh, Let's see Gadriel wants to know DP, have you imparted any good fatherly wisdom or advice on parenting to Brandy that you can share?
1: I think anyone who's around me hears way more parenting than they want.
2: Way more advice in general than they want. But let's hear you've asked, someone has asked for it, dad. This is is your moment. Well,
1: I I, I love to impart financial advice to Uh to people. I certainly have, I'm not as comfortable doing it with a brandy, but like with nieces and nephews, Mm -hmm. I've imparted financial advice to them that I can tell halfway through it, they are done.
2: Uh, you what know what most people away? say
1: most people say a little bit of dp goes a long way
2: gross <laughs> so,
1: so i i love to like for young adults i love to give financial advice uh not that anyone really wants to hear it because you're kind of wanting to do your own well, let's, thing let's find, hear
2: it let's hear some financial advice right now well to someone who's 22 uh,
1: live below your means okay start a 401k okay save at, at, at bare minimum, say five percent, ten percent, if you can, of your of your salary. And I know this comes from privilege because I know it's tough when you're that age. Because I didn't grow up with privilege, and I didn't grow up with a ton of money.
2: Well, Dad, you did grow up with. I,
1: I grew up with privilege. Okay. I, I well, here's. I'll go, I'll go ahead and say that yeah, I grew up with a ton of privilege, yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> because while I went to a private school and worked my way through and paid it, mm-hmm. my dad wrote me a check for the entire four years of private school after i after I graduated, so yeah. that's that's privilege. So I start yeah. off with several thousand dollars in the bank, which is not what most people get, yeah, so I would say the mistake most people make is probably to spend all the money they make and think I'm going to save for retirement later. And if you start looking at you know, financial information, the money you save when you're 22 is exponentially higher when you turn 55, which that was my goal to retire at 55. Uh, my parents both retired at 55. And if you save between five, 10, and then later on you can save more because you're making more and your kids are gone, uh, you can retire at 55 as long as you've stayed gainfully employed for all that time. Live below your means,
2: and embezzled from wherever you embezzled work. Embezzle <laughs> money
1: if you need to. Oh, uh, don't buy new cars. Buy used cars, mm-hmm. and uh, drive them a long time. Dri- buy good used cars. Buy Toyotas or Hondas or whatever you think the best used car is, and drive it till you have two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand miles on it.
2: See, now, Dad. Somewhere out there, some person was listening and appreciated that. Well, but,
1: good. But see, I can't, you know, so the, the question was about Brandy. I don't talk to your friends even even your close friends like brandy and start giving them financial advice oh they,
2: give me a break oh, do, i guess i do like you've never given brandy financial advice I've give asked, me I, a break. I asked
1: brandy some questions about running a salon and how much does she you, make off of you customer. straight up
2: asked her how much money she makes. no no i said
1: <laughs> i said if i pay you 18 dollars uh-huh. in your salon uh-huh. how much of that is your money versus salon money because I, uh-huh. I was curious about the breakdown
2: and then you asked how many people come in per day <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i didn't
2: but no you you have definitely given brandy financial advice okay
1: before. i probably have i yeah. i probably do it without even recognizing I, i'm doing
2: yes it. it just spills out of you what about parenting advice you got parenting advice
1: um don't spoil your kids obviously don't be a Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> no because of this case there's a temptation, especially if you have some means mm-hmm. to spoil your kids and get them everything they want mm-hmm. and uh, get them out of all the trouble that they get into. You and Kyla never got any trouble, so there was no issue there. But you didn't get everything you wanted. You didn't get a Barbie Jeep that you wanted.
2: No, and I'm still bitter about yeah, it. I know you are.
1: <laughs> so don't spoil your kids. Uh, treat them with respect. Let them make decisions that you would not normally think a young person should make. So we'll talk about the big decision that my dad was shocked that you two made. So you were in first grade and second grade when we moved to Chihuahua, Mexico. Yeah. Mom and I went down on a couple trips beforehand to scout out uh, the schools and to look at the house we were gonna be, uh, that Hallmark was renting for us. And mom and I narrowed it down to three schools and then we picked two of them that we would take you and kyla to Mm -hmm. and we had a clear favorite in our mind now obviously when you take kids to two schools you're going to let them pick between those two schools but you're going to try to influence it because they're in first and second grade yeah you guys chose the school that we didn't think was the best school and we didn't think it was close and we were hoping that you would see that as first and second graders but I think you, got, so you guys picked your school. Yeah. And my dad said, are you kidding me? You let a first and second, my dad was a school principal. Mm-hmm. A school <laughs> yeah. Principal. You let first and second grade kids who he, he loved you guys and knew you made good decisions and all that, but that's not a decision you typically cut loose on a kid. Yeah. But in my mind, a thought was that you would feel empowered uh-huh. if you chose the school. You would feel better about the decision, and if we had had chosen the other school, there may have been some bitterness. It may or may not have been a better school. There's no way to know that. You chose the school that was taught half in English and half in Spanish, as opposed to the school that was taught all in Spanish. Now, we were told that you were going to absorb that so fast, and you did. It it wouldn't have been a problem. I think you would have absorbed it really well. Probably would have taken you a few months to get, get going but we had a tutor and so we could have we could have done the whole thing but i think just give the kids as much freedom as they deserve and let them make decisions make mistakes and things like that um i think a lot of a lot of parents they try to control the kids too much and then when they go to college or whenever they move out of the house yeah. it falls apart and we all yeah. saw it when we went to college you probably saw it when you went to college oh yeah i saw it when i went to college there were people that acted like they were 13 years old because it was their first time to ever make a decision, decide when they're coming home, decide mm-hmm. whether to party or not, decide whether to study or not.
2: Decide what to eat.
1: Decide what, yeah, decide I so, what to I eat. mean,
2: you know, you see a lot of things in college, but yeah, one of them, just a, a small thing is, oh my gosh, I get to decide whether I drink soda all day long. <laughs> I mean, that's that's huge if someone's never had that level of choice in their life. The thing I'll say about the schools in Mexico, you know, nothing about moving had been up to us. And so getting to choose the school, I think, was powerful. And the school that Kyla and I chose was closest to what we were used to.
1: Right. And so there should be no surprise that that's why you picked that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because it had a, I remember the one you guys wanted was a Montessori school. And I remember we went and we looked and there were some kids um, making like mud pies and I was just disgusted, (laughs) disgusted. And then we went to the other school, which was the one we ended up choosing, and it was like kids in a classroom, you know, with the teacher talking, and I was like, yeah, that's it.
1: (laughs) That feels comfortable.
2: (laughs) Oh, okay, I like this question. Diane Fern wants to know, what habits or quirks do you have that you catch yourself doing and think, oh my God, I'm turning into my parents? Oh, Lord.
1: You've, You've probably got this you probably got this nailed for me I, I I know I know when I look up in the mirror at myself sometimes I see my dad
2: oh that's weird which yeah
1: so my dad wore glasses his whole whole life and I've only worn glasses uh, five years maybe four no two years two uh-huh. years because I'm, I'm outside the window so I'll look up and I'll, I'll see my dad in 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 my facial expressions and things like that yeah Um. I think my dad also had a little bit of trouble with holding uh, a smirk,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: <laughs> it, like, like a, a or a laugh or something like that when something was ridiculous yeah. in his mind. Yeah, uh, which I know can be annoying because I remember him smirking at me sometimes yeah. and, and being annoyed by it. And I know I do exactly the same thing, and I think you do too, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. I do. So when people. Like so, like when people tell me lies, mm-hmm. that I know that they know it's a lie, and they know I know it's a lie. There's no doubt in their mind; they've not fooled me because I'm I'm smirking at them
2: and because think, I'm a genius, and no one has ever fooled me ever, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I I did. You know, here's the deal: I aspired to be like my dad. I I looked at his life and, and the way he treated us kids and uh, the. Uh, Uh, fund we had on vacations and stuff like that and I thought this is and and retiring at 55 and never he never worked a day after 55 he did volunteer work yeah he was a member of Kiwanis which is a service organization always working to help kids and everything but as far as going out and making any money he didn't have to because he had really really Uh, scrimped and saved and and put together a a very very comfortable retirement and i'm i'm i was i can remember i was about 30 years old and i said oh that's i'm doing that and i was already on my way with some savings yeah but that's 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 how i wanted to be my parents is both of them walk out the door and do whatever they want to do at 55
2: yeah let's see let's see how am i like you and mom hmm hmm i think the money thing i'm like you yeah. 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 How am I like mom?
1: Well, both mom and I, are we are healthy skeptics.
2: Uh-huh. Very,
1: very skeptical of is somebody trying to pull something on us. Oh,
2: gosh. It's the, my worst quality. Yeah, well, no, that's
1: one. your best quality. That's a no, good quality. No, it's not. <laughs> it's
2: well, terrible. You,
1: you, yeah, but as long as you're not paranoid. And I think mom and I are both very healthily skeptical of yeah. of someone's motives what someone's up to? Uh huh. Um, are you? Are you like my mom? mom? Is much more when somebody does something that she sees as wrong. Mom is much more likely to be immediately confrontational with them, and I'm much more likely to kind of sit back and pick my moments to work with and confront that person.
2: Oh, uh, I I've got a little mom in me because I I do. Okay, so the thing we should tell on mom is mom is a very polite person. She's a very nice person. You know, 99% of the time, no one's ever going to have a problem with mom. But when she sees something that she does not like.
1: Behavior in another person is typically
2: she she will judge Judy that moment. Like, okay, there was this one time in an airport. Where, I can't even remember the full story, but she was at this food court in an airport, and, you know, she wanted a place that had a add an outlet by it so she could charge her phone, and she wanted a place that was just a two-topper because she didn't want to take up more space than she needed to in case a bigger party would come by, and so she ended up picking a spot that was right next to this other guy. And, you know, there were other places she could have gone to. But again, she wanted the outlet and she didn't want to do a four topper, blah, blah, blah. So she goes and she sits down and this man turns to her and sighs and he goes, unbelievable. (laughs) And, you know, basically he's I can't remember what all he said to her, but it was basically like, you know, of all the tables, you had to pick that one. Yeah. And so she called him an asshole, <laughs> 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 which mom's not a big cursor or anything.
1: But, not at all. Not but at all.
2: If she feels like you deserve it, you're going to hear it. And I'm a little bit that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Again, I think uh, it's it's that it's that healthy ability to uh,
2: to call someone an to asshole. call someone an
1: asshole. I see, and I I probably don't go there. Uh, I don't think I've ever called someone an asshole
2: but maybe that's a thing to their face yeah maybe that's a thing of like you know two guys one of them calls the other an asshole maybe you get punched in the face but like you know i'm i guess mom assumed she wasn't going to get punched in the face (laughs) at the airport
1: (laughs) probably not
2: oh Sherrier wants to know how did dp meet sherry
1: okay interesting story so um my roommate worked. a roommate in college, so mm-hmm. we're senior year of college, my roommate worked with Sherry. I had graduated semester, so I had left. So as uh, was, uh, we, we talked about on a previous podcast. I was engaged to a young lady. Uh, we we broke up like halfway through the senior year and my roommate worked with sherry and said hey you're
2: kind of an elizabeth taylor with your multiple (laughs) engagements
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true um and so uh he he my roommate calls me and says hey we're doing this big uh it was a a, um what was it a a leap year party (laughs)
2: Uh february
1: 29th leap year party uh, do you want to? It's uh, not to party. It was like group date. We're going somewhere. I can't remember where we were going, but group date. Do you want to? Do you want to go? And I said, Ah, no, I don't want to go. It's. And he says, Well, hey, I'll set you up with this lady I work with.
2: Yeah. Uh, and where I'm, were? Where was he working?
1: J C Penney's. Oh yeah yeah. Mom okay, worked in okay. J C Penney's. Yeah, and so um, sets me up. I, I meet Sherry for the first time. I think I, I think I'd seen her once or twice before. She was on campus. She mm-hmm. she was a freshman on campus when I was a senior, and. Um, hit it off from there and literally we, we moved pretty quickly because within about six or seven months we got engaged hmm and we got married the next year boy that was that was moving kind of quickly that's,
2: wasn't it? yeah that's kind of a whirlwind romance well there.
1: when you uh, when you find the one you love and sherry head <laughs> <laughs>
2: She knew immediately how lucky she was.
1: That's right. She saw, said, wait a minute, this guy is super cool.
2: So she got down on one knee. (laughs) Did I ever tell you Norman got afraid that I would propose to him?
1: Why was he afraid of that?
2: Okay, so one of my good friends from college proposed to her boyfriend. And I just, you know, we were going to go to their wedding, and I happened to mention that. And Norman got, like, pale as a ghost. And... she proposed to him and I was like yeah what?
1: Norman wants to be in charge of this. Oh
2: gosh. And so it got to the point he was so pale and sweaty. I had to finally say, Look, I won't propose to you. Calm down. I'm just like because he Norman was like, Well, that's kind of weird. Uh. You know, he's a little southern belle. He's used to <laughs> some <Southern laughs> used to some decorum. Well, here's the deal.
1: Um, mm-hmm. you went to a women's college and yeah. you guys learned different wild experiences there at the women's college. Bunch
2: of wild feminists and who aren't you too are, worried about the rules. Yeah,
1: you're not you're not going by by those old southern rules then you move to north carolina where southern belle norman is protected <laughs> from those kind of
2: boston wild ideas
1: those eastern eastern uh, boston ladies and they're uh, asking men to marry him so i i
2: can he see he was him. truly scandalized and i had to tell him you wouldn't yeah i told him don't worry about it i'm you not say, gonna propose to you, you say
1: why would i want to marry you i that'd, that'd be my comeback
2: oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Haven Monahan says, Hi, DP. Do you have any tips for your lecture-style parenting? I don't spank my eight-year-old daughter, but need ways to get through to her. Oh, my God.
1: Well, it's, it's simply a matter of continuing to talk. And you can oh. talk slowly. Oh, my God. You can, you can have some breaks where they think it might be over. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask questions because you don't want them to sit there, you know, uh, and not participate. So you yeah, ask you don't questions. want them
2: to, you know, be off thinking about other things while you're mid lecture. You've got to keep them engaged. And I,
1: I seriously, you have you have admitted this, and so has Kyla. I think it worked more effectively on you, but being uncomfortable for. And I don't know that I had, like, a five-year-old, you talk for five minutes, and a 10-year-old, you talk for... I don't know that there was any rule like that. I would talk about as long as I could about a subject and bring in all kinds of examples. I I would bring in work-related examples of what people who behave badly, what happens to them later in life. You know, I don't know whether it was all sinking in or, or not, but... Whenever I noticed a, a, a kind of a glazed over look, I would ask a question <laughs> and, and expect, uh, ex- expect a meaningful answer uh, mm-hmm. appropriate for the age. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was, it, it was meant to be uncomfortable. It was meant to be longer than it should have been.
2: Yeah, you Um, achieved that.
1: (laughs) But the other thing we did was we did timeouts, too. Yeah. And timeouts were super effective with you. Oh, God, I were You were devastated by timeouts.
2: Kyla wasn't.
1: Well, Kyla was... Kyla
2: was kind of a badass. (laughs) Yeah, she was
1: defiantly comfortable in timeout to the point where you didn't know whether she was really defiantly comfortable or she was putting on an act so she wouldn't have to do it again, thinking we would switch the punishment up on her.
2: You know... She seemed pretty good with it. I don't know. She she would be like, fine, fine. I like the steps. I'll go sit on the steps. Send, send me to time out. Why don't yeah, you just send me to care. time out? So, and, and that
1: attitude, I mean, that's hard to put up with. You know, yeah. fine. You know, so it does kind of...
2: As opposed to me. No! <laughs> Not time out. No!
1: <laughs> so So she probably got more of the lecture style because I never was really quite sure whether she didn't like it or did like it, uh, but I knew she was acting like it was no big deal.
2: It's tough to parent a smart kid, isn't it?
1: <laughs> it is. So it, it reminds me of my dad. My dad, this he was a principal back when they did corporal punishment. They yeah. actually whipped kids. And so, the kids who deserve to be whipped, he would give them choices. I'll either whip deserve you. Deserve to be whipped. Well. Back then, you, you did certain things you deserved to be whipped. Okay, okay. And so, uh, you either, uh, he, he said, I will, number one, whip you with the paddle, mm-hmm. or we call your parents.
2: And do you know what the game there was? Yeah, he would tell us he would find out what they wanted and do the opposite Do the
1: opposite now what that means is you can only do that once to a kid yeah but the first time to the office but you got him guessing at that point they come back to the office and they're thinking you're going to give them the choice but he knew that if they said call the parents that he knew that the parents were light touches and wouldn't uh, wouldn't yeah. react appropriately And if he, uh, you know, if just the opposite, if uh, the the other way around. So that was, I thought that was kind of ingenious. And then they started doing the timeout thing. You know, he retired in 1985, so probably the last 10, maybe 15 years, they weren't whipping anymore. They were.
2: It was more of that liberal bull crap (laughs) where you couldn't hit a kid. That wasn't yours. <laughs> okay, Dad, let's move on to Supreme Court Inductions. I'm going to need you to bust out that iPad.
1: Oh, I'm going to need you to say, I hear you and Brandy stumble over these names and these books and stuff. Uh-huh. You're going to actually have me be a part of this?
2: I mean, we really don't have any other choice. Ready? I'm ready. Okay, this week we are sticking with names and favorite books. Ashley Minnick.
1: One of Us is Lying by Karen McManus.
2: Robin Gilligan.
1: Anything by Stephen King.
2: Brittany Kakachi.
1: Dragon Sword and the Wind Child.
2: Carly Reinig.
1: The Harry Potter series.
2: Emily Patterson.
1: Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief by Rick Reardon.
2: Abigail Mandlin.
1: Song of the Achilles by Madeline Miller.
2: Oh, look, she for a little note by the way you don't have to read this part but my graduation ceremony for my master's degree that was supposed to be next month was obviously canceled due to current events so you guys reading my name to pomp and circumstance is the closest I'm gonna get to walking (laughs) the stage alright congratulations Abigail
1: congrats Abigail
2: Sophia Cochran
1: The Four Agreements
2: Jennifer Steffen Where the Red Fern Grows Alyssa Holland Gone Girl Holland The Harry Potter Series Eleanor
1: Surtich. Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. Heather Newell. To Kill a Mockingbird.
2: Mandy Porter.
1: Fern Gully.
2: Welcome to To the the Supreme Court. Court. You got Brandy's part? Do you remember what she does? I think so. (laughs) This is the part where Brandy goes, oh my gosh, you guys, thank you so much for listening. We're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're everywhere.
1: You didn't send me that.
2: Well, no, I never send it. It's just something she says, but she always says it in the same way. It's always, oh my gosh, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to fill in for Brandy. Oh my gosh, you guys, go find us on all the things. And once you've done all that, head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And once you've done all that, Join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast Podcast adjourned. adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary.
1: And I did exactly the same thing that Christian just said.
2: (laughs) So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the article, Peeved Ex-Employee Relieves Himself of $5,001 by Rhonda Simmons for the Star Exponent.
1: And I got my information from the Washington Post, and by far, that's the most credible newspaper I had to read for this. Mm. GQ, Vanity Fair, TMZ, The Daily News, The Blast, and The Daily Mail.
2: (laughs) For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com.
1: Any errors are of course ours. Please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff.